Welcome to the show. My name is Max. I'm very happy that you have joined today and are listening. Thank you. I'm going to talk about Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a stone-cold liar. He accepted the uh, nomination for the Democrats to be their presidential nominee for some crazy reason. And in his acceptance speech, he repeated a lie, which he actually started his campaign on. His announcement video was entirely on this. And it is the lie that Donald Trump said that there were very fine people among the so-called neo-Nazis and white nationalists in Charlottesville back in 2017. This is a lie. It never happened. Donald Trump literally said, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists. Literally said, I'm not talking about them. But Biden has run his entire campaign based on the lie that Donald Trump did say that. And Joe Biden's talking about morality. And he's lying. It's it's incredible. But when you look back at the way Joe Biden campaigned in 2012, for instance, when he said that Mitt Romney was going to put black people in chains, he was addressing a black crowd and he said that Romney and Paul Ryan were going to put y'all back in chains if they were elected. This is a disgusting, immoral man. This is what uh, Joe Biden said in his acceptance speech. Remember seeing those neo-Nazis and white supremacists coming out of fields. Fields? I don't even know what that's about. Coming out of fields, spewing the same anti-Semitic bile heard across Europe in the 30s. Remember the violent clash that ensued between those spreading hate and those with the courage to stand against it. Uh, actually, that was largely Antifa, which is a violent terrorist group. So they're not so great. Back to Biden. And remember what the president said when asked? He said there were, quote, very fine people on both sides. That was a wake-up call for us as a country and a, and for me a call to action. This is totally false. Disgustingly false. On August 12th, 2017, Trump said he condemned violence on many sides in Charlottesville. And this was, I believe that was the actual day of the, uh, of the event. And if you look at the transcript of the timestamp of when Trump was talking and when the actual, you know, Heather Hare, the woman who died, uh, she died at, I don't remember exactly right now, but it was like, say, one o'clock in the afternoon. And Trump at 2.45 or so, you know, within two hours, he was having a news conference for something else. He was asked about it, and he condemned the violence. And if you go back, and you might even remember this, people were saying that he didn't, that he ignored it, or he didn't have a good enough response. That was another lie. 
That was another complete lie because he responded to it very soon. He had a news conference scheduled for something else. He was asked about it. He responded. He responded in a totally acceptable, good, excellent way, which was he didn't have all the facts. Nobody did, but he condemned the violence. That's a good thing. Then on August 14th, he condemned neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups. Then on August 15th, he condemned neo-Nazis totally and praised nonviolent protesters on both sides of the statute debate. And... You know, he went further than that. He said he said there were some very fine people on both sides of the statue debate. He said you had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. This is Donald Trump talking. I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group, also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers. You're, he's talking about the people who want to take down the statues now. He's saying there were some very fine, there were some fine people who were on the side of taking down statues. Quote, but you also had troublemakers. You see them come out with the black outfits and the helmets and with the baseball bats and a lot of people in the other group. And that's all absolutely true and accurate. There were Antifa terrorists there. And you know something about this woman, this poor woman who died, who shouldn't have died? They said that the the man who killed her, and I don't even remember his name, and I won't look it up because it doesn't matter. They said that he was a white nationalist or supremacist or whatever. And you know what I think? I think he was mentally ill. I remember seeing a picture of him at the time. He looked mentally ill to me. And you know what? I think that there were people in the streets, because that's what Antifa does. They walk in the streets... We've seen this all summer, and they don't get a permit for their for their marches, their quote-unquote protests, their peaceful protests, which inevitably turn violent. I think it's highly probable that they were in the street, this guy was in his car, they surrounded his car, he panicked, and he drove into the crowd because I've never heard once ever that he drove onto the sidewalk because if she had been on the sidewalk, we would have heard she was on the sidewalk and he drove into the sidewalk and killed a bunch of people. 
And I think I've seen a picture where it was in the middle of the street. Not saying that she deserved to die. I'm saying that her death is partly her own fault for putting herself in a dangerous situation. We are all responsible for our own actions. And for instance, this summer there was a woman out in Washington, supposedly a non-binary person, but a woman, who was walking on the highway at like 2 in the morning. And she got struck and hit and killed by a car on the highway. And yeah, I do think in, that is a very clear cut to me. She was on the highway in the middle of the night. Her death is her own fault. Now, I don't have the same details for Heather Heyer in 2017. Not willing to outright condemn her for being in a place where she shouldn't have been. But there's a lot that we never heard about that case. Like, for instance, where where was the claim that that the guy who, who killed her with his car was some actual neo-Nazi? Neo-Nazis? Who are these neo-Nazis? Where do they exist? I've never met a neo-Nazi. I've never met a white nationalist. The only racist people I've ever met are black people and white liberals. And white liberals are are in polls. You actually find that they're the they are they are the only group that hates their own group, a uh, skin color group. Which is crazy because skin color is nothing. Who cares what color skin you are? Now, I said that black people are racist, which I, you know, I understand is a controversial thing to say. You're not supposed to say that. But it's kind of true because black people are proud of their, of their skin color. And that's racist. It's racist to be proud of your skin color. Not all black people, obviously. Literally never heard anybody say that they were proud of being white. I'm not proud of being white. I'm not ashamed of being white. White liberals are ashamed of being white. And that's also racist. It's also racist to be ashamed of something you have no control over. Frederick Douglass said in a speech, the only excuse for pride in individuals or races is the fact of their own achievements. Our color is the gift of the Almighty. We should neither be proud of it nor ashamed of it. But we may well enough be proud or ashamed when we ourselves achieved success or have failed of success. If the sun has curled our hair and tanned our skin, let the sun be proud of its achievement, for we have done nothing for it one way or the other. I see no benefit to be derived from this everlasting exhortation by the speakers and writers among us to the cultivation of race pride. On the contrary, I see in it 
a positive evil. That's Frederick Douglass. Race pride, racial pride, is evil. You can't control the color of your skin, and I'm not talking about being tanned. You have no reason to be proud or ashamed. It's just a thing. I've always thought that one of the best things that I figured out early enough in my life was that I wasn't owed anything and any problems that I had were either my own fault, more often than not, or something that I just didn't have any control over. And there's no reason, really, to be upset about that. Now, that doesn't mean that you just sort of walk through life, you know, with a blasé attitude. You have to deal with the reality. Something bad happens, you have to deal with it. But what you don't do is say that it happened to you because of your skin color. That's stupid. That's racist. And Joe Biden, by perpetuating this this lie, is doing grave disservice. I almost said violence. Doing violence against the country. You know, it's the left that believes that rhetoric, that language is violence and that violence that they perpetuate through Antifa where they beat people up and we've been seeing it all summer it's 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 unbelievable i don't know why anybody would live in a city i used to live in new york city i left i left a year after bill blasio i like to call him blasio his name is supposedly de blasio but it's a made-up name his name is Wilhelm something or author. Bill de Blasio was elected in 2013, in the, you know, November of 2013. And um, we left in October of 2014. And that first year or, you know, 10 months of the de Blasio administration in New York City, I swear to you, that I could feel the city beginning to fall apart. I had been there for nine years, and actually, I won't blame it entirely on Bill de Blasio. The last few years of Bloomberg, it was starting. It was starting to come apart. And what's going on now with, with this, the rioting and the looting and the government shutting down business because of coronavirus, Chinese coronavirus, COVID, the Wu flu. Why would you live in New York City if you could possibly get out? Get out. And so Joe Biden is perpetuating this lie and what he's, he's saying, what he's trying to say to black Americans is that there is racism, there is rampant racism in this country. The president of the United States is a racist who praises racists. And he's saying 
to minorities that that the reason that they don't have whatever they want to have or that they they feel that they don't have opportunities is because they're being held down by racists and that is something that i simply do not believe we all have the same opportunity in this in this country in this life in this country under this form of government or we're supposed to where i see where i see the problem is when when government tells us we can't do something we can't open a restaurant because covid that is government keeping us down Ronald Reagan said the uh, most terrible, is it nine words in the English language, is I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. Well, that's like 10 or 11 words, but anyway. <laughs> Thomas Sowell has been writing for 50 years about how the the welfare state destroyed the black family and he it's statistics folks <laughs> it's the it's stats he shows that before the welfare state the rate of divorce in black families was much less it was even lower than in white families that the percentage of of black babies born out of out of wedlock was much lower and and now these figures are astronomic and they've risen across the board not not just in black families but also in white families and but most pronounced in black families there's a huge black middle class but in cities, in housing projects, it's m mostly black people and, and other quote-unquote minorities. And that, that is an evil. They're not nice places to live. I've seen them. I live in a much nicer place. And if you could leave, wouldn't you want to? You're living on the 10th floor of a housing project that you don't own and people litter outside. That's, that's the thing that you have to know. When you walk from a block where there are apartments that, even that people rent, but, that, but there's a mix of places that people own, they have jobs. And then you walk into the block where the projects have been plunked down in the 60s and the 70s. People aren't, don't own them. They don't pay the rent themselves. They're subsidized. And you see that there's litter. I've seen this in, in many housing projects in New York City. People do not take as well care of places that they do not own. 
But you know what you you also saw in housing projects when I when I lived in New York City from 2005 to 2014 and I, I moved there in September of 2005 and left in October of 2014. So it was pretty much exactly 9 years. What you would see was satellite dishes outside of windows, nice cars in the parking lots, and you know later uh, not when I first got there, but later you would see everybody had a smartphone. You know, I saw homeless people with cell phones in New York City. Homeless people with cell phones. The point that I'm making here is that the people who lived in these projects seem to be capable of, you know, having nice cars, satellite TV, TVs, obviously, if they have a, if you have a satellite for satellite TV, then you've got a TV on the inside, phones, but in order to maintain their housing subsidy, they can't have jobs. In, in the normal course of things, you should have a job, an entry-level job. You work your way up. You're young. Maybe you're a teenager, early 20s. You advance. You can move to a different, a different store. You, you climb the ladder. That's the, that's the way it works. And, you know, you start out with a, with a cheap, crappy apartment somewhere that you're renting and then after a year or two you know and you have roommates and after a year or two you you get a, a better apartment and you maybe get you know married or or have a relationship and and move in together even if you're not married but hopefully you're married and you p pull your resources so it's not it's not a roommate who you might be friendly with but it's a life partner, a life partner. You pool your resources in whatever way that means, because that doesn't only mean monetary. You know, maybe you're both working, so you're pooling your, your money, but it, it's more than that. It's sharing your life. It's, you know, you make dinner for your wife or your husband when they're working late or etc. You divvy up the chores. It's easier to keep your living space nice when there's somebody else to keep it nice for and when somebody else is keeping it nice for you. And then maybe you, you move into, you get a house in the suburbs or move to the country or maybe you were in the country the whole time. But if you can't have a job because you'll lose your welfare, you're never going to do that, ever. And then your children are never going to do that. And then their children are never going to do that. And you have the situation we have now where you have a single motherhood in the, uh, for, for blacks in New York City is – it's – 
probably 75%. I, I'm just making that up. You can look it up. It's huge. Here's what I remember from about 20, 2013 and 2014 because I was in the city at the time. And it's probably not changed much since then. 70% of black pregnancies in New York City were aborted around that time. 70% of pregnancies. Now, if 70% of, say, young black men were being killed each year, that was each year, 70% of pregnancies aborted, killed, murdered in the womb a year. If 70% of, say, young black men aged 15 to 25 were being killed every year for any reason, we would understand that that's a huge problem. Instead, many people are pretending that it's a huge problem that last year nine black men who were quote-unquote unarmed were killed in encounters with police. Now, on an individual level, if your brother or son or father is killed or dies for any reason, that is horrible. But when the number is nine for the entire nation, and there are millions of interactions between police and non-police every year, then that's simply not a problem. It's simply not. You know, what is a problem? What is a problem is that 70% of pregnancies, of black pregnancies, where the mother is black, are aborted. And Joe Biden benefits. The Democrats benefit from perpetuating this system. You heard Joe Biden say, if you don't vote for me, if, if you're having trouble figuring out whether you're going to vote for Donald Trump or to vote for me, then you ain't black. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black, is what he meant. And he also said, completely unprompted, that unlike the Hispanic population, which is incredibly diverse in viewpoint and opinion, he said that black Americans are not diverse in opinion. And what he meant was that black people vote for Democrats overwhelmingly. Not all black people, obviously, but upwards of 90%. So Democrats are benefiting from this whole system. Because black people just vote for them no matter what. So far in the past, that's the pattern. But Why? Well, a lot of them believe the lies told by Democrats that Donald Trump is a racist. But why? 
you know, Candace Owens talks about how one of the big things for her was because she was a young black woman who was left a leftist, you know, a Democrat. And, and she has said that one of the big things for her was that she, she noticed that black people loved Donald Trump until he ran for office. He, he was in all kinds of, uh, rap songs. He was a role model for black people. Then he ran for president as a Republican and all of a sudden he was a racist. And, and she noticed that and thought, oh, that's odd. Why is that? I wonder if more, there will be more Candace Owens. And, and she's working on it. She's working on it with her Blexit campaign. We'll see. I'll admit I'm entirely uncomfortable with the idea of a, 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 a black vote or a, a white vote or a Hispanic vote. We're all Americans. And we should make our own decisions. You know, maybe maybe somebody who happens to be black may may think, you know, I I am a Democrat because yeah, I do support abortion, which is killing a baby in the womb, and I do want higher taxes uh, because I perceive that higher taxes will mostly be paid by other people. That's mostly why people support taxes, because they think other people will pay them. And uh, But the benefit outweighs the cost. You hear people say, oh, I'll, I'll pay more taxes if it means free health care. That might change if, if your own taxes went up by 20%. Just putting that out there. But... My point is, if any individual, no matter their, their skin color, decides to vote for Democrats because they agree with Democrats on actual issues, that's totally fine with me. You know, I used to be a Democrat myself. In college, I was extremely liberal. It was actually moving to New York City that turned me into a conservative, which, you know, is ironic. Most liberal city in the entire known universe. But I realized uh, that I didn't agree with the Democrats. I actually didn't support abortion. I don't want to be taxed more. And, and believe me, in New York City, there are a lot of taxes, 10% sales tax, 10% income tax, all kinds of everything. I mean, and that drives the price of everything up. So I didn't like that. And I found that I was very concerned about national security. Those were the three things that did it for me. So I had to come to terms with the fact that I thought I was a Democrat, but I didn't agree with Democrats about anything. So then I, I realized, well, you know what? I'm, I'm a Republican. So I've always said I'm a Republican because of the things that I believe. I do not believe the things that I believe because I'm a Republican. And I think that Democrats should be able to say that too. You should be able to say, yeah, I've, I'm a Democrat because I, I want a welfare state. 
and I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they think that it actually helps people. I do not. I think the welfare state hurts people. You can have a difference of opinion about that, although I would say that the 50 years of, of evidence points the other direction. What is not okay is if you are a Democrat because you think Republicans are racist because you've been lied to by people like Joe Biden who said that Mitt Romney, who is now celebrated on the left, by the way, Joe Biden said that Mitt Romney was going to put black people back in chains. Put them back into slavery. That's what Joe Biden said about Mitt Romney. And Donald Trump, who, as I just said, you, you know, was celebrated by black people. He was given awards by uh, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and those people. And he was featured in, in rap songs as a role model. And now all of a sudden he's a racist. If you're a Democrat because you believe lies... Ask yourself, why do they have to lie to me in order to get my vote? And remember that Joe Biden said he didn't even need to lie to black people because they all think alike. And, uh, and anyway, if you don't vote for him, you ain't black. Thank you very much for watching, uh, watching, listening. I'm not video recording this at all. Thank you for listening. And I will, uh, hopefully, uh, you will tune in next time and we'll talk again.